Okay, we're on. So, um, I'm Ben here for all you guys that don't know me, but I'm pretty sure you all know me. Um, 23 and married to Angie with a kid on the way, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so like Nathan was saying last time at Teaching Night, he's going to be starting to do it every second week. So then Jules gave me a call on Monday and was like, Hey Benny, would you be keen to teach? And then I was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a go. Um, and then he said to, yeah, preach on salvation. And I was like, okay. So like everything about my life, basically, like <laughs> let's try and condense that down. And um, yeah, the more I was thinking of it, I really felt like God was burdening my heart. It's kind of been something that's been on my heart for like two weeks, both Angie and me, of like, yeah, just like, compromise and yeah just how we as Christians like are often so comfortable to compromise in our life and so yeah I just wanted to share about that and kind of link it into salvation so we'll see how it goes cool so I'm going to start by drawing something gave these a bit of a shake up before so hopefully it'll be good so just like Nate said last week that we're always searching for fulfillment, um, every single person ever. And so I just want to paint a picture for you guys of the fulfillment I search for in my life. And <laughs> there we go. It was kind of all in two categories. So I search for fulfillment with God and I search for fulfillment without God. So, some of the things I did with God was I, at church, I grew up in church and I would lead youth group. So, I love to lead youth group because it made me feel good. I got to look after young kids and um, me and my friend, that's a really bad leg, me and my friend Josh were the games kings at youth group so that's why I draw the little dude kicking a ball because we were the best at doing games so it made me feel good as well doing that um, also I would attend or go to church every week and Bible study as well mm -hmm. I would have Christian friends wow this isn't working very well sorry yeah I'm trying to push it That's all right. so have Christian friends and I would pray and <laughs> read the Bible so I kind of grew up knowing Jesus is God, kind of thinking these things are going to be what fulfills me and that's going to be all the awesome stuff that I hear the preachers talking about. I'm going to get fulfilled in doing all of these things. So I was doing them all. and But as I started to kind of come into my own beliefs and try and search for my fulfillment more as I was a teenager, 
I started to also reach outside of the church and doing things with God to try and find fulfillment. And so I started to do some other things to fulfill myself, anything that would like make me feel good. And I began to become okay with lusting after women. And I feel like this one is such a problem in church because it says, Jesus says how if you even look upon a woman with lust, then you've already committed adultery in your heart. And so like, everyone's kind of like, oh, thanks Jules. Everyone's, I don't know, at least all the people that I was around at church kind of didn't seem to see much wrong with that. And so then that, I kind of make a compromise in my heart with that. And then I'm all right with that. And then it slowly leads down a path to like, oh, now I'm like comfortably watching porn and then it's like just starting to twist all my views about God and then I start to realize that the dissatisfaction I had in seeking things with God wasn't getting added to as I lusted after women and I began to try drinking excessive alcohol so I would just go out with my mates and party and get drunk because it made me like feel good kind of because none of these things were fulfilling me yet so I'm like oh I guess if I have all of this and lust after women maybe if I drink alcohol as well maybe that'll work and I'll start to get fulfilled that actually sounds like a good idea and then I'm like at the club oh this is actually working all right yeah just drinking some more and then next minute you wake up in the morning and then you're either vomiting or you've got a huge headache and you're like wow that was so stupid how am I going to hide that from all of my Christian friends and my family who are going to judge me for that at least I thought and so when drinking alcohol wasn't good enough I started as well doing some drugs but same kind of deal with that thing and I also was struggling a bit with um, mental illness and I knew that going to the gym would help kind of level out that and so I'm like oh it actually feels so good to get that boost from going to the gym I'm gonna really invest in that and I'm sure that this will end up fulfilling me when I've got all of these things together and so the older I got um, the more I began to put we'll say this is me one foot in God and one foot <laughs> that's a really bad foot sorry in the world and it was leaving me more and more dissatisfied but do you know what I was thinking in that time and I probably wouldn't have admitted, admitted it if I asked you but I was thinking that I would find abundant life in putting my foot in anything and everything that um, sorry anything and everything that made me feel good even if it was completely contradictory things that I tried like if anyone looks at that you're like okay you're like retarded to think that those two things are going to work together but I was just doing it and yeah I would never have admitted that but my actions revealed my heart and as I look back I can see that I was definitely searching to fill my heart and also that yeah it was just as stupid to think that it would give me abundant life which is what leads me to my big idea for tonight that we should not expect to experience the abundant life of God without laying down our lives 
and letting Jesus save us. Why do we do that? Like, Jesus literally said in Luke 17, this is in the Passion Translation, all who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it all, including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them to me will discover true life. But we give God the bits of our lives that are comfortable, keep a safe backup plan of anything else that might fill us, and then blame God for not giving us the abundant life that he promised us. It legit blows my mind when I think about it. Like, as I was thinking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, how do we actually like believe that this is going to do anything good for us? And then that we would even have the nerve to be like, God, what the heck? Like, you said all I've got to do is say like, Lord, Lord, and I'll be saved. And like, you want to give me this abundant life? And he's like, look, you're filling your heart with like poop. How the heck am I going to fill it with any abundant life? basically. Yeah, and I've really been getting convicted of this in the past two weeks of how like after God's fully changed my life and I'm not doing these like big sins where there's like lots of stigma around them, but I've still let little bits of compromise into my life and then I'm there looking at God going like, I think it must have been you that's like taken away your like presence as much as it was, as much as I had it before. But then I start to realize that it's me who is snoozing the alarm that I set to get up early and spend time with God in his presence and read the Bible with him. And that it's me who's shying away from opportunities to share the gospel or pray for people and just making up excuses saying I wasn't let into it or something like that. Or I'll just hold back from like doing nice things for strangers because they might feel awkward if I go and talk to them or something like that. And I comfortably start to take back the complete surrender that I'd offered to God in that place. Yeah, okay. So after saying all that and dropping it, I kind of want to zoom back out for a second and answer the question of like, why do we have to be saved to experience abundant life? So let's head right back to just after everything began. So God's now spent five days creating almost everything that we see around us. Well, not cars and stuff, but like the earth. He's spent five days making all of that. And now it's the sixth day and he's speaking amongst himself. So There's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all together and they're like, they decide they want to make man in their own image. And yeah, as I was reading this in Genesis, I was thinking about like, what is the foundational, what is the image of God? And even just in that verse, how it says like, let us make man in our own image. Like that very moment there saying that the image of God is relationship because they did not make that decision without each other even though they're completely one they're father son and spirit and they wanted to make us in relationship with God and so they created humankind to let them in on the most beautiful thing ever their union and fellowship so Adam and Eve had a precious time of unhindered relationship and complete oneness with God his presence throughout the whole garden of Eden and yeah, the true expression of abundant life where there's no lack of anything. But then 
we chose to disobey the one command God had given, not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so God's like, all right, like I told you, I can't give you this abundant life if you're going to fill yourself with something else. And so we brought death upon ourselves. He took, like killed our spirit and then we separated that perfect relationship and that image that he created us for, which then set us off on a journey with God slash without God because of the broken relationship of like 4,000 years of God trying to get man back to himself. And yeah, so I just wanted to point out a few things which I really feel like God did to show us that we could not save ourselves from this relationship that we broke. Like he, first he brought on the scene Noah. And so Noah was, it says in the Bible that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and he walked with God. So man's thinking, okay, like, okay, well, we freaked up the relationship with God, but maybe we can get it back if we have a righteous man. I reckon that'll save us. And so God's like, okay, send Noah and then Noah's a righteous man and we're like oh he kills everyone off that's not righteous they've got this new thing set up but then Noah stuffs it up it doesn't go to plan and we don't have that reconciled relationship with God then we've got Abraham who's a man of faith and we're like okay well if righteousness doesn't work maybe faith works because faith turns into righteousness and it's like not the acting way so maybe it'll be better so (laughs) I reckon Abraham will get us back to God, but doesn't happen still, even when Abraham's doing it. And so then God's like, okay, you guys realize righteousness, faith, neither of those are working. You can't get back to this relationship with that. Um, And he chooses a people for himself, Israel. And he says he chose a holy people to the Lord your God, chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So we're like, oh, well, maybe we can't get the righteousness or the face, but if he like chooses us, that'll be like fine, surely. And so God chooses Israel. And as we all know from Israel, that no matter how many times God saves them, they just go back because they're in this enslavement to sin and they continually fall and they can't have that perfect relationship with God. Then they end up in exile. They're... Um, sorry, in slavery in Egypt. And then um, God rises up Moses and you're like, Moses, the most humble man to ever walk the earth. Maybe we just need humility. If we were all just humble, that would bring us back to God, don't you reckon? So like, okay, Moses. Then Moses like, yeah, awesome, amazing miracles, bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Or we just got to cross through this desert. We've just walked through a sea somehow, a fire's guiding us, a cloud's guiding us, all we just got to do is cross this desert. But still, we get in the way of our relationship with God and we end up getting cut off and all those people die and never enter the promised land. And then later down the track, there's David, who's a man after God's own heart. So we're like, oh, maybe if it's a man after God's own heart, surely God, if we have like God's heart, then that'll get us there. But we all know David ends up not going so well, having sneaking over at 
his neighbor's wife and having sex with her and making her husband get killed, basically. And then, um, so like, okay, so can't be a righteous man, can't be faith, can't be if we're chosen by God, can't be humility, doesn't even matter if we're going after God's heart. Um, what if we have wisdom? If we just knew what to do, that would just make sense. Let's bring in Solomon. So Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the East, it says, and he was wiser than all men. So surely if we just knew and we were the smartest people ever, we could just work our way back to God because we could just make all the right decisions, yeah? And I reckon that didn't work out that well for Solomon or Israel when he ended up having like a thousand wives and concubines and just realizing that, yeah, he just kind of seemed pretty depressed at the end of his life. And so Israel still remained broken off from this relationship with God. And then there was Samson, a strong man. That didn't help. God gave him kings. That didn't save him. He gave him judges. That didn't save him. He gave him priests. And that didn't save them. So nothing from earth could save humanity. Nothing born of man was working. And after all these seemingly failed attempts of saving humankind for more than 4,000 years, no matter how good the person was, or people that God had chosen. They continued to fail, and this fractured relationship with God remained. So, after man could have no more questions <clears throat> about works being able to gain our salvation, God sent his son. His original plan A, but we're too hard-headed, so he had to give us 4,000 years of making sure we knew that we didn't know how to do it ourselves. So God sent his son, Jesus, who was, he was in heaven with God in absolute perfection and thought that the relationship that we lost with him 4,000 years ago was worth leaving all of that. He emptied himself of all his divinity. So he emptied basically all just the hectic godness out of him. He waited in a womb for nine months. Like when I think about that, I'm like, what? Like, you, what do you even... Did, could he think? I don't know. He was in a womb, but he's God. Like, what the heck? <laughs> then he got born as a baby. I'm like, do you, were you like, I don't know, dumb like a baby? I don't know. It doesn't make... I was just, and then he grew up as a kid, and he, did, he literally didn't even start teaching until he's 30. And I bet he just, like, knew so much stuff, but he was just so self-controlled. And then when he started to teach, he just got rejected by everyone he came to serve. And then those same people killed him. God sent his son so that we could be saved and so that we could have the abundant life, that relationship from the beginning. And when Jesus went around teaching about this abundant life, he would continually point out things in people's lives that were wrong. Why do you reckon that he would do that? Because Jesus, he knew that we should not expect to experience the abundant life of God without laying down our lives and letting Jesus save us. Because if we have our lives invested in anything else except for God, we can't receive the abundant life. Just like when Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler, which is up here. I'll read out the whole passage from Matthew, if you guys want to hit it in your Bibles, Matthew 19, 
verse 16 to 26. So, and someone came to him, which was the rich young ruler, and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I've kept, what am I still lacking? So as you can see, he's been in this thing where he's like, okay, like I've grown up, the Pharisees, teachers of the law, they've been saying, okay, you can have this hectic, abundant life. All you have to do is follow these commandments. And so he comes up to Jesus. He's like, this just doesn't seem to be working for me. I swear I'm keeping all these commandments. And so he goes up to Jesus and he's like, what do I have to do to get this eternal life? Like, what am I still lacking? And then Jesus is like, oh, just do this. And he's like, but I've done all that stuff and I'm still lacking in something. And then that's when Jesus said this to him, which is so amazing. He said, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I love these words that Jesus said if you wish to be complete. He knew that was what the rich young ruler was searching for. He knew he was looking for that fulfillment and he just hadn't had it in that commandments, in the people trying over and over again because something obtained the place in his heart as God. Something was in there. He, had, he wouldn't surrender everything. It's not just about what they're doing. He, had, he couldn't surrender that thing that was on his heart. And then he says, um, yeah, when your heart is empty after you've given everything, after you've, it's not even just about selling your possessions and giving to the poor. It's that this man, that's where his heart was. He's like, after you empty your heart of the God that's in your heart, when your heart is empty, then come and follow me. He says, lay down everything you believe that could fulfill you or work as a backup plan if this abundant life you've heard of doesn't live up to your expectations. And after you've laid that down, then come and follow me. Then come and enter into an intimate relationship with me, like my disciples. Follow me, do what I do, say what I say, think how I think, and learn from me. Jesus began to invite people into this abundant life, just like that rich young ruler. And he began to share that there was a peace available that surpasses understanding, a peace that can rise above every circumstance, that there's joy unspeakable, that it is straight from God and can be drawn on for our strength, that we can be truly completed, fulfilled and at rest through the Holy Spirit. 
that our lives can be fought for, cared for, and protected by God, that we can be free from the slavery of our needs being on our own shoulders, that we can be free from the slavery of fear and sin, that we are chosen, holy, and accepted by God in abundant life, that we can constantly be in His presence, just like back in the beginning in Eden, that we can be freed to think of other people's needs above our own because God's got our back. So if someone told you that that kind of abundant life was on offer and you had a blank person that you could make into what you thought would be the perfect example of a surrendered life to Jesus, I'm just going to draw the blank person up here. Hmm. I'll just draw them here. So, this is your blank person that you can make into a perfect disciple of Jesus. All they need to do is just surrender everything and get this abundant life. What would you guys do to get that blank person to, I guess, experience abundant life? Like, you can answer it if you want. (laughs) Yeah? Cool. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. I'll say, yeah, you can say that to them if you want. Um, choice. It's a choice. I'm just going to say that. We'll all know what it means. Cool. Yeah. Once or always without ceasing. Nice. Even got a scripture for it. Nice. Anyone else? Jordy? What would you do if you wanted to make someone into a perfect, hectic Jesus dude? Um, go to church and learn about God. Yeah? See? Worship. Yeah? Yeah. So transform the mind. I'll, I'll tag that on the Bible because. Oh, oh, sure. Sorry, I thought you meant like as in renew the mind. I'll, but. Pardon? Yeah. See. Cool. Well, I'll add one in for myself. Um, <laughs> yeah.
I like that one. <laughs> I have a few Christian t-shirts that I put on when I want to be by a Christian. <laughs> Cool. Um, yeah. And my one. Oh yeah. Sorry. You guys took most of mine. But mine. I. I especially. I would tell this blank person. Like I love the. Idea of and actually the just the still mornings with God. So like, get in His presence in the morning. Just all the time. But like, in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. You want another? Be nice to people. Be nice. I like it. Cool. I did, just not well. It's spelled, just that's the C. Okay. So, with all of these things, when I was just thinking of this for myself, and I was like, I was like, imagine if I just got to have a (coughs) blank person and I could just tell them all the things that I want to do to follow Jesus and to surrender to him daily. And then I'm like, it's actually not that difficult to follow God. Like, it's not a tricky, mind-boggling thing. Yeah, it costs everything, but like, we know what to do. It's this it's live by the spirit it's read the bible it's go to church like have fellowship with brothers take up your cross daily buy a christian t-shirt it's all of those things especially the christian t-shirt and um yeah i just think like if that's what we think and we know everything to do why don't we just do it like let's just do it let's just make a decision and do it because what, what's stopping us from doing it? We can't blame this one on the devil, I don't think. Because if God has given us the ability and he says to like, that we can humble ourselves, that we can give ourselves to him, then it's in our hands now if we give ourselves to him or, or not. And yeah, it's because somehow we've been tricked into believing that we can still obtain the abundant life of God without giving everything. But that's just the thing. Abundant life isn't found in fulfilling ourselves. It's laying down every chance of quenching our thirst for fulfillment at the foot of the cross. We should not expect to experience the abundant life of God without laying down our lives and letting Jesus save us. So, as I finished writing this talk, I felt God like share a picture with me and I'd love you guys to yeah hear what that is and just close your eyes and kind of picture it with me as I read out what it is so yeah I felt him show me um yeah as I was saying that last thing at the foot of the cross that there's a well that God has left for us at the foot of the cross and that it's the well that Jesus spoke of with the water that once we've drunk of it, we will never thirst again. But this well is so deep that we cannot just drop a rope and a bucket in and pull out the water. 
we have to abandon everything. Everything before and behind us and we have to dive into that well. It's too deep to reach with any backup plan. It's the abundant life that he spoke of, but we must give up our lives completely and dive in if we are ever to taste of his fullness. Abundant life is to receive once again unhindered relationship with our beautiful Father. Now just look up at that cross that you're standing beneath and see his head hung with blood dripping down. See his nail-pierced hands, his body hanging there on the cross and see his heart that he had been longing to share with us for more than 4,000 years, for all of eternity, to let us know that he loves us, that he truly loves us. He gave everything for us. He was willingly separated from his own father to restore this relationship. I don't know about you guys, but I think he's worth more than 50%. I think he's worth more than 60, 70, 80 or 90. And the only thing we could ever do to give him the honor he deserves is to give him everything in response to this, to this amazing grace. Who would die for their enemy? What king would lay down his throne to be scorned and rejected by men? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, yeah, right now, just as we finish up, I want us all to just just give our hearts completely to Him. And yeah, any of those compromises that we're aware of that we've been justifying in our own hearts, praise God if there's none, but I know that I can, yes, yeah, see some coming up in my heart, like even as I was saying before, just that one of me just snoozing the alarm and not valuing that time with him in the morning and setting up my day with him. Like I just, we all just want to lay before you God right now, all of the compromises and any of the percentages that are less than a hundred and just give it to you right now. Yeah, and we just choose to make a decision to follow you fully because relationship with you is, it is that water that once we've tasted it, we will never be thirsty again, God. And yeah, we, we're never gonna regret giving you everything. And yeah, we just thank you for your sacrifice, God. And we just give it all to you right now. And yeah, just before I finish up with an amen as well, I wanna just say, I know that this happens in my heart a lot, so I don't know if it happens with you guys, but that always when I take a step to surrender myself fully, the devil just will do this tiny little whisper. It's like something will happen instantly always where I would have compromised it, but now since I just made that decision, I shouldn't compromise it. And then I was like, oh, well, it's probably not legit if you like do it off this hype thing. Wait till like tomorrow morning or till you get in the car at least or till you are in bed. Like wait till tomorrow morning or Monday morning or 
anything to put it off and because he knows that if we put it off that small bit we will never end up giving everything to God and so yeah I don't know if that happens for you guys but I know that it happens for me and so that we can just be aware of that and just make a decision and just be like no I'm not settling for these compromises you're worth everything God yeah amen <laughs> oh, I don't know how to do it. Oh, yeah, you told me the thing. <laughs>